Hello, everyone. You are listening to Think Fit, Be Fit. My name is Jen Schwartz. This podcast covers a spectrum of topics related to answering the question, how can we continually improve ourselves with an effective fitness approach? The answer is a set of thinking skills from the intersection of exercise mechanics, anatomy, physiology, and embracing curiosity. The human body is a wonderful teacher if you know how to listen to it. Being open and having fun is part of that process. However, today's topic is for those with chronic injury that have a really difficult time getting out of the cycle of bad exercise and reoccurring issues. I started discussing this topic in depth on the May 15th release, Intuitive Awareness and Reverse Engineering the Muscle System. That episode is full of little gems about, not little gems, big gems about the four issues that I consistently see my clients and athletes in that are stuck in a cycle of bad exercise and chronic injury or discomfort or muscle issues. And um, the you're, listening to that um, is going to give you an insight onto my why. Why I am so fascinated by the nervous system, by the um, soulful connection that I have to exercise and why I have dedicated my professional life and a lot of my personal life into not only being fit and having an outward appearance of fitness, but aging well and moving well. And it's just a full of great info. It's also like the audio quality isn't, I'm like not the proudest of it, but I'm so proud of the content and I really hope you give it a listen. I will connect to that in the show notes. So that brings us to today. And while I am introducing our topic for today, we have to talk about movement pathways. Movement pathways is my signature course that I've been working on for about three years. It is an accumulation of my nine years in being an injury prevention specialist and keeping people with chronic injury fit and preventing injury. Also draw a lot on my experience as a strength and conditioning coach and um, really what that is about is preventing injury. And I am, I've made this course to help my clients be more precise, more clear on their exercise so that when they go into the gym, they have a tool, multiple tools for making sure that their chronic injuries do not come back. And 
that they can spend time on the in the gym with exercises that they know work for them and their specific injury. So that's what this course is all about. It's a workshop. Um, the live course is very much hands-on. The first course is June 7th through 9th in Alexandria, Virginia at Local Motion Project. And the online course will be available June 20th. How, um, so what we're going to do is have one lecture and with some demonstration and movement involved that will um, cover the cognitive, the neurological, the physiological changes that happen as a result of a good workout. The foundational thinking, the biological thinking behind how we change our body and how we change our mind and our view on exercise and the impact that that will have on your fitness and your fitness longevity, most importantly, so that you're not you're going from a student, uh, a person who exercises consistently, and you're doing all these things, but you're not um, getting the results that you want. So you're just doing it, and you're just listening to your trainer. However, having my my idea is that if you have a more um, scientific view of how the body changes and how it works, and how we're honestly like our innate capability to change in our brain and through our muscular system and through our nervous system is having that information will fuel a very deep connection with your exercise and give you more than motivation, give you a um, purpose for your exercise and why you need to do it. So uh, that's the first part. And then there's three modules. Some people are signing up for all three modules because they've got injuries in multiple sites. But some people can sign up for just one. So the first module is lower back and core and diaphragm, pelvic floor, all of those areas. And then we have a hip and knee module. And then we have a neck and shoulder module. All of these things have the same theme give you more confidence, be able to build resiliency around old injuries so that you know that you're doing the right things for your body in the gym. Okay, this episode, we're talking about the placebo effect. I mentioned it a bunch in that May 15th episode. And so really what it's coming down to is that you need to spend some time learning about the placebo effect if you don't understand why your body can change. You don't if you don't understand that your body has innate healing capacities within it, this is the episode for you. Um, I have some major support, scientific, clinical support for everything I'm saying in this episode I am not speaking from a um, the woo-woo if you will the um, metaphysical piece of injury re- recovery if you want more of that it's in the episode with Meredith McDonough May 22nd where we talk about heart healing which is the metaphysical healing of your body and giving you a better, 
a chance at getting rid of the habits that are harmful and that are keeping you in a, a deleterious cycle of bad exercise, inflammation, and chronic injury. Yes, sometimes it just takes the heart healing and stepping out of your emotional box of why can't I do this um, to heal that. So that's what that episode about is about. This one is clinical and science-based. So I will say this. Um, I experience the changes that the placebo effect can bring every single day that I go to work. I experience it from a, um, I guess, a patient or a client point of view, and I have experienced as the facilitator or the practitioner, um, you know, over and over and over again, hour after hour. Um, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, <laughs> like sometimes it happens. No, it happens every time. My schedule is full of these occurrences, day in and day out, and. I wouldn't have this podcast if it weren't for these experiences. If I didn't have the experience as a facilitator for people that were in pain one minute and then in five minutes later are experiencing more movement, more stable movement and pain-free movement where five minutes before that, before intervention or muscle activation techniques, treatment um, or exercise isometric based intervention um, had the pain. So five minutes, they have pain on the table, they move their legs to the left, they feel something in their back, they move their shoulder up towards their ear, they feel a sharp pain, um, they feel like nerve pain, radiating pain, numbness, you name it. Um, Even foot pain where people would step on a certain part of their foot and feel pain. That can essentially remodulate and disappear in like five minutes and then you know the work that I do is way more than five minutes but if I do it for an hour we work on the muscle feedback system and nervous system modulation around the muscles and again like the pain goes away we're not doing it to get rid of the pain and the discomfort we are doing it to optimize the muscle system and the how fast the nerves are communicating with the brain um and so i'm not there to actually treat the pain i'm there to optimize the muscular system and that's a very hard boundary that i do not cross and we um if i didn't see those changes honestly like all the time this podcast wouldn't exist like i had to repeat myself there but it it's, it's just the truth. And uh, I myself have not had a lot of chronic pain in my life. I figured um, I took this career path at 25 when my arthritis in my knees were just settling in and I had chronic tightness and um, nothing really helped until I found muscle activation techniques. And uh So with that said, I'm not an experienced chronic pain like survivor or um, person who has had a lot of it. Um, However, I do work with people day in and day out that do. And I just wanted to 
share that with you. Um, and I also need to share with you that I am not in, um, I am not here to indict chronic pain and try to devalue your experience with chronic pain. Um, however, I'm like, I know that those things are real and that you feel them every day, day in and day out. And I'm not saying it's like all in your head. I'm here to present clinical and science-based information on what um, what I see change. And that's really the mission of this podcast is to share these experiences and give you the opportunity to believe in your body. So really this episode um, is the the core of it. The core message is that we are we need to redefine our pain and what pain is. The science community has already started. As I mentioned before, there is a, a branch of science called pain science. And one of the things that it's attempting to do is to see what happens in the brain when it changes, when we have um, pain in, on one moment and persistent pain, chronic pain, and how it can essentially rewire and disappear in the next minute. That's what the um, branch is all about and helping people develop coping mechanisms from this lens of pain is made in the brain and it is not correlated always always correlated with an actual tissue injury and then on the other hand on the other side of that lens that some people with injuries meaning and they're asymptomatic meaning no signs or of discomfort or pain and that they have those injuries in their body and they are existing coexisting with pain-free movement so the being able to bridge this all together and see what happens in the brain during these processes is what pain science is and the fathers of this movement are um Laura, i can't say this guy's name laura mayor mosley um i'm just going to use mosley i can't i do not understand that first name. It's L-O-R-I-M-E-R, Lorimer Mosley. Um, and then there is the Stanford Pain Science Department, basically. Um, I don't know if they just call it pain science, but uh, the doctor there, his name is Sean Mackey. He's a PhD and an MD. And then there is the amazing and quirky David Butler. He is um, a physiotherapist out of Australia. His colleague, oh, David Butler, I have to look this up real quick. His um, group is called the NOI group, N-O-I, and they've been doing uh, some great work for over a decade in this realm. And then the Stanford group is more in, in the opioid space and trying to help people um, get off of opioids essentially for persistent pain and who else um I have a bunch of blogs that I follow on this matter and they uh, 
in a, in a cumulative way, are attempting to bring a lot of aha moments to practitioners, doctors, patients that are stuck and saying, oh my God, why is my body fighting me all the time? Like, why can't I get um, out of the cycle of taking a step and having to think about my pain? Because it is exhausting, right? Sitting, standing, sleeping, all of these things. When they, when you have a disruptive cycle of um, pain and normal everyday functions, that is, um, it, it's, it's a place that um, is hard to get out of, and these uh, this educational uh, these educational programs and are not just for doctors. They are for patients, and they are really trying to provide those aha moments where people say, "Oh, that's why this is happening," and then they can connect the uh, the model of oh, it's not just my disc, my ruptured, my ruptured, I hate that, uh, my my herniated disc causing this pain. It is my sleep is not efficient enough. It is my stress. It is my shoes. And then it's my social environment. Um all of these things play into the experience of pain. And what else is a, plays into the experience of pain is uh, food and chemical sensitivities and so many medications like pharmaceuticals. I had a client, um, she's close to uh, 70, she, between 65 and 70, and she is a runner with um, about 30 Boston marathons under her belt and she had um, a stress fracture. I will say this, she should have started weight lifting weights and strength training a long time ago. Um, We are now working together, it's been several months and she um, had a stress fracture, a really bad one. It was actually um, more of a, a I can't, a compound fracture it was close to, uh, anyways, really, it was a fracture from the inside of the bone going out. And she was also on medication to prevent osteoporosis. Guess what the osteoporosis medicine does? It increases your muscle pain. Um, it tries to build bone inside, but then it also, like, causes pain and messes up like the 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 signals um (laughs) of you know pain reception and it can weaken tendons at the same time I and honestly like her getting off that medication with her doctor's assistance I did not initiate this uh took care of about half of her issues, like, no, more than half. It took care of, like, 70% of her issues. Um, now we're on a track to taking care of the the preventative side, and she's not injured anymore, and she's um, strength training, and we're doing muscle activation techniques to look at her hip imbalances and her lower back imbalances that contributed 
potentially to this stress fracture. Um, there's also some foot stuff that we're working on. But my point is, like, the chemical piece of it um, has a big part. Uh, gluten sensitivity has a role in back pain. Um, smoking cigarettes. I don't think anyone that listens to Think Fit, Be Fit also smokes cigarettes, unless you're um, in my generation where we're just like, I'm having a couple cocktails. It's time for a cigarette. <laughs> um, and anyways, so the fast-changing, evolving science of object- objectifying pain is where pain science meets how the f- do I get out of pain. So what we were saying in, uh, before, the brain's role in pain is part of the newest research in chronic pain, pain science. Pain stimulates structural changes to the brain and also creates pain. Okay, guys, we got to take a quick break. I love floating. Um, I'm going to give you an awesome referral code to Synergy Float Center in Alexandria, Virginia. These floats have truly changed my fitness and my workouts and my focus. So Synergy Float Center in Alexandria, Virginia, they have all kinds of stuff like meditation, uh, magnetic therapies. Anyways, referral code BK978059 and Synergy Float Center dot com um again like this is for your active recovery it's for your sleep um, my sleep has never been better since i started floating and oh gosh your um hormones will benefit your mood will benefit i cannot speak highly enough of it and i can't wait to introduce you to more uh, science and clinical info on floating but for now synergy float center in alexandria virginia use my discount code bk978059 to get your discount for your first float okay back to the show okay so here we are thinking about the new definitions of pain and I would like to say this information is aimed for, aimed at people who are cleared to exercise by their medical professional. I cannot stress that enough. I am not a licensed medical professional. I am speaking to those who can exercise and they just have issues that are in their way and they are trying to reverse engineer their process so that they can get rid of them um, in their exercise. This doesn't mean I'm teaching people how to eradicate tissue damage or injuries overall. I'm saying these are tools for you to help manage your exercise. So with that said, I'm going into the current pain definitions that I was referring to in this like new era of science. So uh, here is three. This one is from the official definition from the International Association for the Study of Pain. 
Quote, pain is an unpleasant sensory or emotional experience, which follows actual or potential tissue damage, or is described in terms of such damage. Okay. The bold words there are actual or potential tissue damage, meaning the sensory experience is one that the nervous system and the brain have calculated, like have received some type of neural pathway, brain pathway, so that the the outcome senses potential tissue damage, potential injury. Next one quote. Uh, this is from the man I mentioned earlier, uh, Laura Mara Mosley. Um, I feel silly for, for, I know I'm butchering his first name. Uh, Quote, pain is a multiple system output produced by the brain. After a person's neural signature has been activated and concluded the body is in danger and action is required. Again, it's a neural signature that has been activated. That is essentially the... um, Neuroscience term for that is the neuromatrix. Yeah, neuromatrix, a <laughs> a cluster of um, memories, signals, uh, and connections. So, and then the bold letters there: multiple system output produced by the brain. Multiple system, uh, m- more than one piece of information is coming in to create this conclusion that the body is in danger I, that's my that's my most used one within my sessions and people are like that's that's an aha moment for them the next one is from david butler who i mentioned earlier quote outcome of mass epidemi- epidemiologic epidemiological data looking at factors related to the development of chronicity of spinal pain points to psychosocial factors, including a patient's beliefs, job satisfaction, and educational level as being more important than the physical health of the tissues. The bolded, bold letters there are as being more important than the physical health of the tissues. The data an accumulation of data related to the development of chronic back pain points to psycho, mind, social, environment, and factors, including patients' beliefs, job satisfaction, and educational level. So those are the technical definitions of how the brain is stimulated um, by environmental factors, so social factors, and Um, These include memory and fear. The idea of the pain as an alarm system annoyingly makes sense, which is verbatim exactly what I said, uh, that last part in another episode. Um, So my philosophy um, here is that optimizing exercise that supports a vision, that exercise is the inert change agent for building resilience and beating the cycle of injury and bad exercise, requires this belief in the placebo effect. And this um, is, I draw on this from like 
looking at people's changes and be the result of compounding efforts in multiple areas of movement, health, self-talk, and knowledge. This acceptance comes with the grace of leaving behind one of the most basic assumptions about life. That pain is always the, the result of direct injury. So with this, I hypothesize that if you are able to account for lifestyle and the internal load of your day-to-day -day as it relates to how well your system operates, then you can manage the external load and improve the neuromatrix, the pain neuromatrix pathway, which again is the uh, memory. That's the neuroscience, pain science word for memory of how the, the pathway of how the pain gets activated and how you're, that means there's an output for the sense of danger. Um, and then the pain is like the thing that stops you, the check engine light, if you will, or the cones on the roadway to, or the guardrails to keep you in the right zone of safety. So this is where we get into the if then. So my, the movement pathways course is just that my answer to rewiring the neuro matrix of pain with a movement pathway so that my students can activate a pathway of safety, a context that the brain understands as safety. And again, like when the, the people that I work with are cleared for exercise, meaning the doctor has looked at their scans, looked at their x-rays, sees no reason to limit them, and that they are not in danger of crushing or hurting any more tissue, then this philosophy applies. Um, so where do we go from here? This is, um, I could go into some very specific placebo effect um, lessons and review the research or I could discuss a technique that it's a strategy really for managing the internal and external load. <clears throat> so I, I'll tell you what, uh, the first thing, which is just going through the placebo effect is totally fascinating. I'm not gonna go through it now, however, April 29th, 2019 on Hidden Brain. The title, I'll link to this in the show notes, of course, is All the World's a Stage, Including Your Doctor's Office. And that is adorable. Um, I love that name because it is 
hinting at the conclusion that the placebo effect is more about the ritual than it is the medicine. It's more about taking your belief system and your mind and your body and your brain through a ritual of healing. So all this stuff that I'm laying out, all this podcast whispering into your ear, sweet talking you into mindful exercise and being efficient and effective is part of the ritual. I'm part of your healing. My voice is part of your healing process because you're buying into the idea that your body can heal itself. That's why everyone says this is the first step. Everyone in the mindfulness sphere it says this is the first step it really is it's um and the other thing i'll touch on before i get into the more the strategy portion of this is that um i'm using the placebo effect in a generic way right now in the the in this audio uh format and I say that because it essentially just applies to everything that is not completely evidence-based and clinically utilized and reviewed. So meaning it, they, there, are, there has to be an inert substance, meaning a, not a medicine, not a pill. It, it is a... Um, an agent of change that is not uh, a definable piece of evidence that elicits the healing process. So essentially, the placebo effect, anything that you can not explain by clinical evidence or um, research based evidence that goes against the placebo effect falls under this is the placebo effect so every time um you let's see anytime you stretch and you feel a change in range of motion that's the placebo effect if you feel looser after you do a swim that's the placebo effect there was an inert factor of change involved and it created an outcome and it's a multi-system output just like pain and passion and addiction um and they so it's a big big concept and the gosh the research of the pharmaceutical industries um really started demonizing this especially when it came to like depression and addiction um like they the the pharmaceutical industry started demonizing the placebo effect because if their medicine couldn't be more effective than the placebo effect then it failed the trial uh, to bring it to the market so it's all the fda's fault essentially and I don't know, maybe, uh, just kidding. Uh, don't, whatever. Um, <laughs> and so if it can't be, um, proven to hold up against the placebo effect, meaning a sugar pill 
a medicinal pill versus a sugar pill, if the sugar pill was about the same or even better than the medicinal pill or the supplement, that's the 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 drug can't go to market. So um, that's where we've fallen off the idea that this is a good thing versus like a bad thing. And the research that is really pioneering this whole entire field is using radical honesty in place of deceit. So the placebo effect started um, in uh, like military hospitals where they would run out of painkillers and then they would just start giving them sugar pills and all of a sudden like the soldiers that were pretty maimed would would start feeling better because they just thought that they took um, an opioid or whatever and that um, that's deceit so they just didn't tell these guys there's um, an example of a 2002 study where they um, did a fake knee surgery on arthritis and they found that there was zero difference between getting the surgery and just getting a fake surgery however this is a landmark study because they were not deceitful with the patients or the subjects and the subjects knew that the, it was a possibility that they could get a fake surgery and that is radical honesty it still works so when i tell my client that muscle activation techniques helps all the, the people that I interact with and that pay me to do muscle optimization and strength optimization with muscle activation techniques. But there is no hard data on why this works. However, people do feel better. It has helped me immensely. That is being radically honest with the placebo effect because we don't have the exact pathway as to why it works. So movement pathways um, and getting over your injuries requires that belief. And that's why I'm here um, getting, all f- getting all fussy <laughs> about why I need you as my student to buy into this. Okay, enough of that. Let's get into the actual strategy of how to uh, control the internal and the external load of your week to week and delete your nervous system and wake up with a plan, with a mindful way of approaching your exercise, your day to day so that you do not have to blame it on sitting, stress, age, or whatever else you need or you're overeating or whatever, whatever else you think is causing you the problem it my proposal my if then situation my hypothesis is that if you start taking control then you can modulate to leave the domain of blame and doing the wrong things and enter the domain of being fit and being in your process with a mindful and strategic approach okay so let's get to that we've got two things um, that are going to help us do this. Uh, One is the yellow light, red light, yellow light, green light uh, method, or the yellow flags and red flags. I will start with the 
bucket theory. I think it's, I'm, I really like this one because it, when I first got on board with this type of philosophy and approach to fitness, um, it really uh, just, it just helped me a lot. I want to bring that to you. So the bucket theory is that you've got two buckets and one feeds one part of your system, regulation system, and the other bucket is for your down regulation system. So you have an up regulation system and a down regulation system. And the down regulation system is something that the yoga teacher is going to help you uh, center in on and the mindfulness uh, hypnosis tracks they're speaking to this system right it is the way that your body down regulates when um, there is something uh, exciting that it has to rebound from including uh, eating or um, let's say running um, or hot water or cold water so if something alerts your system it's going to go on one bucket and that and then the the down regulating bucket when that starts to fill up it evens it out like accounting checks and balances this idea first came about from a psychologist that worked with child children that were abused and what it helped him do is give them a story or an analogy for how they can deal with their ups and downs and how they um, manage their day-to-day behavior maybe in school at home it's a coping to help them with their coping mechanism so we're going to do the same thing for our daily amount so the down regulation bucket is actually called the parasympathetic nervous system and this is one of the divisions of the autonomic nervous system and it's sometimes called the rest and digest system it conserves energy the system conserves energy as it can slow the heart rate down increased intestinal um, activity it relaxes sphincter muscles in the uh, stomach tract and it probably relaxes muscles elsewhere and creates maybe a change in brainwave activity a change in i already said heart rate um which will change you know how the blood is moving it's going to change how your flowing overall so we've got a multi-system flow going on all the time that's how we stay alive p.s um and then the other system is called the sympathetic nervous system this would be our up up regulation bucket and this bucket's really important for working out or um keeping us safe it's the one that is alerted when we're in danger so the so it's also the sympathetic nervous system is this up regulation bucket and it contains the uh what you would say 
androgenic fibers that, um, you know, they increase and de- uh, so they increase the heart rate. Um, it does essentially the opposite of uh, the parasympathetic nervous system. And I have a little uh, study guide, if you will. It's like how um, study.com has basically uh, like biology notes. So I'm going to send those over. I think it's really helpful just to have um, a better understanding of the upregulation and downregulation nature of how you work. This is for like the high level fitness nerds, I'd say like the next level where uh, you would be my peer, I would say, is if you're going to take an, the measure of HRV, heart rate variability. And I'll talk about the bucket theory from here on out with reference to HRV, heart rate variability. And what that means is it's a measurement of the different intervals of time between waves in your heartbeat so frequencies uh, there's when in physiology if you were studying anatomy and physiology you would look at a heartbeat and the heartbeat would be represented uh, through a waveform called the QRS and so the heart rate va- variability is the bump bump um it's made a lot of appearances in movies right like we will watch someone on life support slowly bump 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 out of this uh, material world and then you'll see the lots of bump 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 in um a heart you know like when somebody's about to go into cardiac arrest or you monitor your heart rate when you're using your Polar or your Fitbit or whatever device. And the HRV is different than the heart rate number by itself. And the heart rate variability, just quickly, it measures the flexibility of your system to upregulate and downregulate. So it is how quickly your body switches from alert and focused and on high stress mode wavelength you're operating there and then how quickly it bounces back to parasympathetic or the down regulation bucket and so um the the how quickly you do that the more flexible the more adaptable you are so if you're using a arch HRV number to judge your bucket for the day, if you're in the 90s and 100 on the reader and it says you're ready to go, um, the data will then, um, sh- the data is then showing that you are able to load your system. And what that means in our language here is the internal load is capable of handling more external load and that's what this thing is all about people like if your internal load is so heavy or your bucket is overflowing you're going to um, not be able to put on an external load so 
I have an upcoming podcast with a chiropractor and she just goes into exactly how this feels on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, how do you feel when your bucket's full? Well, you're going to um, feel stressed out. You're going to have negative thoughts. You're going to be maybe careless about the things that will um, challenge you and make you a, a a, a more resilient and strong person. And it can also feel like you can't sleep, um, you're restless, you're in pain. It's a huge variation of things, but if you're next level fitness nerd, you're gonna do HRV. Um, I'm looking into something called the Whoop, and then there is the Aura Ring, which I'm very convinced is pretty amazing. So uh, got my eye out on those or discount codes, hook it up. (laughs) Um, What else? So. How you do this uh, bucket approach is to say in one day you have to say, um, so this is the cheap way of, of monitoring the bucket. So you have one bucket and you know what contributes to the escalation of your sympathetic nervous system, which is going to be work, traffic, uh, dehydration. Uh, I forgot to take my supplements. Um, my father called and he's a jerk. Uh, that sets me off. And then I also have this annoying pain in my shoulder. And it's like a three, but all of that added up is in your sympathetic bucket, your your upregulation bucket, your flight or fight bucket. And then you've got the downregulation bucket and then you say, okay, what did I do today? That would be in my down regulation bucket. Okay, I meditated for 10 minutes. Cool, in your bucket. I spoke to a friend and I was able to speak my truth and they were open and listening. Okay, bucket. I spent 30 minutes outside to increase my vitamin D absorption. Boom, bucket. Okay, bucket. the parasympathetic bucket, it's getting full. So now you're like, what does that do with my workout? I think your workout would have to serve both the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system that day. Another scenario, you have the sympathetic um, bucket, the upregulation flight or fight bucket is kind of empty, and you have a really cool uh, opportunity to spend another half an hour at the gym today. Okay, well, you can fill up your upregulation bucket in a safe manner with your exercise and your strength training. So that's in your bucket now. So now you have to go back to the parasympathetic parasympathetic bucket so that your body can recover better. Oh, here we go. Okay, so what do we need there? I need magnesium, zinc, hydration, protein, um sleep, maybe a cold water immersion after my workout. I've got that extra half an hour. I can do a hot, cold immersion. Wow, you just evened yourself. Like that is a great uh, use of the bucket right there. So that's the bucket theory. Okay, moving on. Uh, The traffic light approach. Red, yellow, green. I kind of like flags. Um, Maybe because I like Formula One racing. However, okay, so the traffic light theory, I'm pulling up some notes here. 
Give me one second. Okay. Uh, if you're still here, by the way, you're awesome. Thank you. And your nervous system should be thanking you too. Um, all right. So let's go. My source for this information is from a physical therapist that I work with in Alexandria. Not day-to-day work together, but she is a great referral source for me. Um, De Lorenzo Therapy Services. Jen De Lorenzo, uh, doctorate of physical therapy, is my guru on this subject. My other, I don't want to say guru, uh, my leader uh no my friend with benefits there we go she is a good referral source she is honest and she shares this awesome academic and clinical research with me because i'm not a medical practitioner i don't have access to some of this information so this is like serious insider info guys um And then my other friend with benefits would be Gregory Gordon, who does my muscle activation techniques in New York City. He's fabulous. He's taken some of these courses. And okay, so you have your red light or your red flags. Now this is going to be figuring out if you have pain issue or tissue issue and do you need to go to a doctor or a physical therapist or a muscle activation technique specialist or a chiropractor. This is all the questions you need to ask yourself. But if you need a list, a checklist of what it looks like to be able to de-differentiate between a pain issue, meaning a regulation, a multi-system output regulation issue, or a tissue issue, which is an, an injury. And the better you know where the injury is, the better you can create strength training Uh, and whatever uh, therapy for that issue so the there's three categories of things one is a tissue issue cluster peripheral neurogenic cluster and then there's a central sensitization cluster so people with like really pain all over the place and aggravating and easing factors like very sensitive nervous system i have a list um it's proprietary information so if you want that you have to email me directly and connect with me uh let's build a relationship i want to know what your issue is i want to know i'm giving this information to people that are trustworthy so um but i'm available uh dms are open so the stoplight approach uh means or the red flag approach your symptoms and presentations of issues need immediate attention okay and that would be injury rehabilitation what i was saying last time and then the next one is the yellow the yellow this is where i exist this is where uh, me and a physical therapist and a chiropractor we coexist and we help people really figuring out the um the reasons why and whatever they need to figure out and whatever we need to facilitate this is the yellow flag or the yellow light area is where we exist coexist and then there's green which is the end goal to give to have uh, strategies to make red and yellow turn to green okay movement pathways is a strategy and multiple strategies from getting from yellow to green promise 
I would say pink too, like <laughs> orange, orange definitely. Um, so, but you're, you know, you're going to need required, uh, you're going to have a, like a, a skillful approach to being able to get that done. It's not as simple as me turning the pages of this, uh, my notes here. So we're skipping over the red light, the yellow light flags. This is, this is this, the yellow flags, guys. The slow down caution. Uh, let's start putting things in our parasympathetic bucket uh, items. Okay, these are emotions, behaviors, um, looking at failed treatments and using different explanations for pain, which is what I was doing today, the placebo effect, um, working through family concerns and then work concerns, okay? So uh, behaviors, I talked about this in a, the previous podcast with Meredith. Um, cognition and pain have a strong correlation. So if the cup is always half empty type of person, they always see the worst in the situation. This is one of those uh, yellow flags, okay? So if you find yourself in a thought process that, you know, it's, it's, it's negative and you can't get out of it and you can't find a solution to anything, that's a yellow flag, even if it has nothing to do with working out. Um, so... Um, Sleep issues are another yellow flag. Um, failed treatments. So what I say is like you're always focused on more scans uh, and you're always thinking about injections, therapy, complementary medicine. If you're just like running amok around these things, uh, it's time to step back and get out of your own way like and taking a more mindful approach. That's a yellow flag. Uh, you, need, you probably need someone like me or a... Uh, a pain science P, uh, PT like Jen DeLorenzo. Um, what else? I'm just going through my notes here. Oh, family concerns. Um, having, you know, punitive or overprotecting, enabling kind of patterns that's going to create a lot of stress and uh, that's that's going to increase your pain, basically. That's what this whole thing is about. Not my words. This is all someone else's stuff. Um, work concerns. Uh, you know, strong. there's a strong, strong, strong correlation between chronic and persistent pain and disability. Um, duration of time off of work, strong correlations there. And negative expectations regarding uh, return to work um, issues and chronic pain. Uh, there's some high correlations there. Again, we're looking at research right now. I'm not talking from personal experience or um, I'm just speaking generically. And then other uh, things to consider are socioeconomic factors. Uh, this is a big, um, our social uh, environment has a big, factor in how healthy we are and zip code basically I mean zip code has a lot to do with how healthy you are and DC is the healthiest uh city in the country which is great but um yeah I'm gonna leave that one alone because I have a lot of thoughts on that and my podcast is here to level up that game you know I want to 
provides a cost-effective option for people to manage chronic injury. That's what my course is about because the time that I spend with clients um, putting this information into their hands is thousands of dollars and I'm offering it for less than $1,000. So uh, I'll just leave it at that. You'll have to go to the website if you want to know more. Um, uh, did you know that females have more chronic pain than men? That's interesting. Chronic pain. Interesting. Um, I'm looking at research again. Nurture versus nature. Genetics equals about half of this equation. 20 to 40% increase. Uh, 20 to 40% of people have increased pain um, it, or children have increased pain if their mom or dad has chronic pain. Well, um, I wish I had more info on that one. And so getting to green, that's where you want to be. That's your strategy. So first and foremost, um, understand that you might need a multidisciplinary approach as I take and as I want to show you and lead you through. This is why I do a lab of me and a lab of you and a lab of us because I want to bring you leaders in how we manage our day to day. Like all of my colleagues in MAT, not all, like 95% of them would not be in the place that they are if they had not had a adventure or journey with chronic issues or arthritis or sports injuries and I meet these people every day like I these are the 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 fact that this is my environment and I'm surrounded by people who have overcome chronic pain is the energy that you hear in my voice right now like that fuels me to tell you that you have the power and you have the ability to be the most fit and age well, even with chronic injury, even with old sports injuries, like period. Wow, hour and five minutes. You guys are awesome if you made it this far. So if you did, um, I don't know, just send me some love. Um, I'm very open to five-star reviews on iTunes. I'm not going to ask for them. I'm just going to let you know I'm open to them and movement pathways. I really hope to see you guys there. It's um, a class. It's going to be also like a membership site. So you have like exclusive content, access to me, access to my healers in my life, even my trainer, um, which I haven't talked about much. Maybe that's the next way. Um, you know, maybe I'll start that in a couple months, but uh, really exciting guests coming up on the podcast. And most importantly, I'm so excited about Movement Pathways. This is like three, four years in the making, and it's my baby. So um, I love you guys. I am so grateful to share this experience and share my energy and my love and my passion for uh, high-level fitness, skillful fitness, mindful movement. Uh, it's a beautiful thing once you start um, experiencing it and experiencing progress and joy. Anyways, love you one more time. Bye.